Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Everybody, good morning. It's 11 a.m. Pacific time here at Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. I'm Rosita De Jesus, and I'm joined here by my co-host Sifu Robert Steele. Sifu Bob, how you doing today? I am doing great. It's a little cooler in SoCal than it has been in the past few days. Uh, wow! But uh, we're doing incredibly well down here. You know, it's funny. My my son and I and my wife and my daughter at breakfast this morning for Father's Day, and he told my wife the other day something very peculiar. Remember how I am now going to be a grandfather? Because yes. my son got his girlfriend pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said to my wife, I'm having sympathy hunger because he's eating everything in sight. I go, dude, <laughs> you've been doing that for 20 years of your life. What are you talking about? You have sympathy hunger. What about the crap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got a Father's Day card for my kid. For my kids, I've got to share with you. It says, okay. "Growing up, we were sometimes a little difficult, a little stubborn, and acted like we knew it all. But there is a good reason for that. Heredity." <laughs> <laughs> that one gets another rim shot, too. <laughs> Where'd it go? There it is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, guess what? I have one more story for you, and the father's going to appreciate that. You know, it takes a lot of guts for a wife to screw their their husband on Father's Day. It takes a lot of guts. Without kissing them first, it takes a lot of guts. One year, okay. this was several years ago, we took my kids over to a friend's house. They were going to Magic Mountain, and then they were going to sleepover. So I flipped their friend's father a $100 bill and said, whatever the kids need, take care with this. So they get back. Everything's hunky-dory. They had a great time. I pick them up. It's Father's Day the next day, Sunday. So I pick them up. We, my wife takes me to Father's Day breakfast. I'm taking the I drop my wife off at work. I'm taking the kids up to the mall. I call my wife mm-hmm. and yell. I just got screwed. And she and she started cracking up. She said, I was wondering when you were going to call me. What she'd done is take the change that I gave her father the day before and bought me breakfast with my own money. <laughs> you know, that was one of the one of these one of these things, oh. Rossi, that I couldn't get mad because she got me so good. That that was pretty good. I couldn't get mad at her. <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh I my goodness! Like one, I felt like on the cartoons. Remember when when somebody did something stupid and they, their head got replaced by a big sucker? That was me. Uh huh. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> Father's Day nowadays is is um, has turned into like a, 
you know, a big fun holiday too. So I guess she took advantage of that. Oh, that's awesome. Anyhow, let's tell our listeners what's going to be going on a little bit later. Um, Stay tuned, folks, because after our first segment with our announcements and news and health news and stuff like that, we're going to go ahead and speak to a world-renowned Dr. Robert Goldman. So uh, just stay tuned, everyone. And uh, if you want to give us a call later on to speak with Dr. Goldman, give us a call at 347 Six seven seven zero six nine nine. Oh, you know what? And our chat board is going to be open in just a second here. I just got to open up the chat board. So if you get on the Blog Talk Radio show marquee, you can go ahead and type in your questions there underneath the marquee for Dr. Goldman if you have any questions. All right. Very cool. And happy Father's Day, everybody, to all the dads out there. All right, so let's get moving on with the show. Let's get started with our birthday announcements. What do we have for birthdays on your end there, Sifu Bob? I only have a couple uh, birthdays this week. One is a Masters Hall of Fame alumni from, I believe, 2013, Emmanuel Thomas out of Long Beach. His uh, birthday is on the 21st. And our red carpet ambassador for the Masters Hall of Fame, David Kamatoy of the Kamatoy Media Group. His birthday is on the 24th. Those are my birthdays oh, right of on. the week. Wow, only a couple. Let's see if I have a a couple here. Let's see. Um, 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 um. Oh, hey, today, <laughs> if, this, if I'm reading this right, today is Marlo Farrellin's birthday. He uh, was one of my inductees into the Masters Hall of Fame last year. It's his birthday, so I'm going to send him a happy birthday right right now. Bam, happy birthday. So um, I'd also like to send a shout-out to um, Andrew Castro, uh, one of my previous Wushu students, and uh, his birthday is tomorrow, the 22nd. And Tracy Classen Spencer, the mother of one of my current teen students. Her birthday is on June 24th. And that's – oh, and Michael Reed, another another one of my inductees into the martial, martial arts uh, – <laughs> I've got too many organizations in my head right now. <laughs> the Masters <laughs> Hall of Fame. That last year, his birthday is on June 25th. Wow. <laughs> so for everybody having a birthday, the week of the 21st through the 27th, this tune is for you. Happy birthday to you. some of our announcements for the week. What types of announcements and events do you have on your end, Sifu Bob? 
Well, I have one. Of course, we're going to announce it until the cows come home, until the event actually happens. I do hope to see uh, Bob Goldman at the event. I know he lives quite a ways away. Uh, is Dragon Fest on July 18th and 19th. You're coming out on the 17th to help me set up. And uh, that's going to be a great event, two-day event. They're expecting thousands of people. Uh, we're going to see First Citizens Bank, uh, the artistry of Carol Blaylock, MarshallInfo.com, West Coast Wing Chun with Samuel Kwok, Wing Chun Temple with Clark Tang, Sidekick Publication, Jeremy Liu's Hyperactive Monkey Book, Daryl Vidal, The Museum Store, The Stunt People, Way of the Ballad Song with Paul Factora, James Santee, the Underdogs with Philip Ree, Ed Parker Jr., The Martial Arts Kid with James Wilson, The Chemist with Art Camacho, Print FX, 2K Customs, Valley Martial Arts Supply, Saul Kowalu, Lua Weapons, Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, Cade Masters with Mark Shuey, Robert Parham with his uh, guest Gloria Henry, Martial Arts Media, Samurai Sports, Shuni B., Hill, Combat Instruments, Jason Sterling, and Masters Hall of Fame. Featured guests will be from Criminal Minds, Joe Montaigne, Steve Odekirk, Cynthia Rothrock, Benny Urquides, Camille Demora, Oliver Gruner, Albert Leong, Doug Wong, Kerry O'Gallowong, Doug the, Don the Dragon Wilson, Art Camacho, Sal Kualu, Philip Ree, Simon Ree, John Tamaki, Robin Shaw, James Liu, Eric Lee, Takaboda, Bill Riyasaki, and Master Cecil People. There wow, you, go. you said that all in one breath. <laughs> I, I did. I almost need mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> yeah, so get your tickets, get your tickets, folks, uh, because uh, it'll be a lot quicker than having to stand in line if you get them now. Um, they're online tickets, so all you have to do is print out your ticket, just show it, and you're good to go, so you don't have to stand in line. Um, again, it's a two-day thing, so, uh, you know, don't feel like you uh, have to, like, try to rush to, you know, to to get your pictures with everybody and to um, do your networking and stuff like that, you know, feel free to come by, relax, hang out, come by the dynamic dojo booth uh, because we'll be uh, taking, taking names for people that are interested in having their own show here on our network um, or interested in being a guest or would like to suggest a guest for the show. So come on by, say hello. And uh, I've got only one announcement, and um, um, I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about this until the event happens. It's the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists Annual Training Camp. Now, um, we are the, one of the oldest women's only organizations for martial arts in the United States, Um, if not the oldest. Uh, There are three organizations and I think we're the oldest and um, we've been supporting women and teen girls and youth girls um, in the martial arts and uh, getting the empowerment through martial arts and fitness uh, through this camp since 1973 and uh, I'm just trying to get the word out there because uh, we have about 110 registrants so far and uh, we have room for about another 60 more. So, and this is going to be 
uh, August 14th through 17th in Boulder Creek, California at YMCA Camp Campbell. And uh, <clears throat> just to give you an idea who some of our uh, teachers are that we have lined up, we've got Professor Jane Carr and Katie Murphy-Stevens of Danzanru Jiu-Jitsu, Sifu Michelle Dwyer of Tai Chi, Sensei Haley Holm teaching Tang Sudo, Sifu Sunny Jones will be uh, teaching Kempo Karate and uh, Extreme Martial Arts, Sifu Lynn Kessler, Kajikembo and Dose Pares Escrima, Kelly Kusumoto, Wrestling, uh, Dara Masi Shihan, Hako Denchoru, Jiu-Jitsu and Iaido, Sifu Michelle McVaden, Kajikembo, Katie Kisada Sensei, uh, will be teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Yoga. Sifu Jen Resnick will be teaching Chinese Internal Arts. Master Su Zifang will be teaching Tai Chi. And Master Su is considered one of the treasures of internal arts in China. So she is a big draw. If you're a, a woman martial artist and do internal arts, I suggest you come, <laughs> even if it's just for Master Su. Um couple of us volunteer teachers, uh, Sensei Nikki Smith, will be teaching judo throws, and I'll be teaching bullwhip. Um, now, Kumu Michelle Manu uh, was slated to teach this year, but unfortunately, she contacted me and the rest of the board, and uh, unfortunately, she can't make it. Um, but the rest of the schedule is chock full of great, some of the greatest female martial arts instructors in the United States. So if you're a, f a female martial artist, uh, teen girl, uh, youth girl, and uh, you want to study with some of the best in a supportive women's only uh, environment, come check us out. Just go to pawma.org. All right. And that's it for for my uh, plug on PAMA. And uh, normally we go on to uh, health news and fitness tips. I don't have any because I was uh, actually – uh, busy with some other stuff earlier and couldn't get to any, so I guess we get to, I guess we get to move on to weird news. Okay, okay, what do we got for weird news there, Bob? <laughs> well, woman charged with killing her boyfriend in canned food attack. What? <laughs> yeah. What? What can't? Okay, I can't. That's wait to crazy. Hear I can't wait to hear what this is all about. <laughs> Los, now, this figures it's in L.A. Los Angeles. A Southern California <laughs> woman has been charged with beating her boyfriend to death with canned food. Prosecutors on Thursday <laughs> filed a murder charge against 59-year-old Linda Jackson of Lake Los Angeles. She was jailed. <laughs> it's unclear whether she uh. has obtained an attorney. Uh, NBC TV says Jackson is charged with striking her 59-year-old boyfriend, David Ruiz, in the head with a can of peas, a can of carrots, <laughs> and a, <laughs> I'm sorry, and a can of chicken broth on Tuesday at, the, at her home. If convicted, oh. she could face life in prison. What? Oh, my God. Wait, okay. Oh, that's right, because he's dead. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. I know I shouldn't be laughing, um, and I'm sorry, folks. I don't, you know, it's not my intention to sound like like that and to sound heartless. But just the way that it was, you know, <laughs> just the way that it was brought up that canned food. 
Oh, my gosh. But, you know, murder's murder. So, you know, if a jury finds her guilty, so be it. But, wow, that yeah. is kind of, that's kind of a weird way, I guess, to, to kill people. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess, I guess we can... I guess we can move on to uh, the entertainment news. Well, she, oops, she did it again. Oh, God, Britney are we Spears. talking about Britney Spears? Oh, yes, we are. Yes. Oh, my God. All right. She went nuts, I guess. Britney Spears oh. was that person at the airport, the one who has you angrily mumbling to yourself about how you're going to miss your flight. But at least she was entertaining while she held up the line. Britt and her boys were flying out of LAX on Thursday, and Mama Spears' attempt to get through TSA was a comedy of errors. Once, twice, three times, she tried and failed to get through the metal detector. They oh, eventually man. bumped her over. Uh, bumped her over to the full body scanner, and even that did not go smoothly. Kind hmm. of see Britt's reaction when she wonders if something under her cowgirl hat is setting off the machine. Hmm. But she did it again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> so does it? Does the article that you got this from? Does it say what? What was on? What was setting it off, or no, that was it, and so oh. that was like left you hanging. What happened? What was the end result yeah. to this? Oh. What was she smuggling? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and if they did find something under a cowboy hat, I mean, really, the only thing under the cowboy hat is her head. So, <laughs> right. I mean, it could have been an underwire bra. It could have been a lot of things. Who knows? Right, right. Who knows? I don't. I. Uh, I don't know. But <laughs> oh my goodness. So, with that said, um, let me just double check here to see if I have any other events going on. Um, because summer summer is really, really busy with a uh with a lot of uh things. So I just want to make sure that uh, we don't miss anything here. Nope. Nothing on my end. Nope, I take that back. I take that back. Um, we've got coming um, June twenty eighth. Um, this is a um, actual. The, this is actually a tribute to uh, uh, Grandmaster Wong Long Ching Sifu Ip Man, and this is. Uh, and I know Clark Tang is probably going to be going to this one. Okay, this is a tribute. To Shifu Ipman, um, uh, next Sunday, the 28th, from 4:30 to 6:30, it's going to be at Royal Garden Restaurant, 11828 South Street in Cerritos, California, 90703. And uh, I was actually, I just got this uh, in my feed. I was invited by Shifu Clark Tang, um, and uh, the description says, after many, uh, after many years that have passed. Um, the memories of my Shifu Ip Man and my Shidai Bruce Lee have never passed everyone's mind. It's always coming back over and over. 
especially after the movies Ip Man and The Grandmaster. Therefore, I would like to shed some light on my Shifu's life as a person, Kung Fu teacher, and some personal experience while he was alive before coming to Hong Kong, during Hong Kong, and after his, um, and that is a statement from the great Grandmaster Wong Long Ching himself. So Wing Chun Temple uh, under under Sifu Clark Tang um, and the Wong Long Wing Chun Association would like to invite the martial arts community, family, and friends to join Sifu Wong Long Ching, paying a tribute to the memories of his Sifu Ip Man and his Shidai Bruce Lee. Uh, please come and enjoy yourself with our Shifu. You may ask any questions regarding Shifu Ip Man or his Shidai. Come and come and meet up and enjoy martial arts talk with a martial arts family. Right on. Thank you so much, Shifu Clark, for the invitation. I think you got an invitation too. I think everybody <laughs> in our uh, in our friends network um, got invited. So where's Cerritos um, in relation to you, Bob? Uh, half hour and forty five minutes. Oh, all right. Very cool. Unfortunately, that's at, like during the time we're online with our show. So, aw. Yeah, I did get the invitation. It's like at 4.30 and said, I can't make it. Yeah, man. But I don't know. I mean, if anything, we might. There's a chance we might have to cancel next Sunday's show anyway, but I'll let you know. And if that's the case, you can go. So, oh, definitely. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's do this, listeners. Let's go ahead and take just a really quick break, about um, four minutes. And when we come back, we'll be speaking to Dr. Robert Goldman. And I think we have him um, sitting in the wings right now. So don't go away, everyone. We'll be right back after this. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, 1 in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling us swear words and like throwing stuff at us. He grabbed my jacket just to get in line first and he was running after me and then he grabbed me by the hood and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything he called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it like hurts people's feelings and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self and it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Just stop. Stop bullying. This is not cool. Hi folks, this is Ristita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, and I just want to send a shout out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Dukes, Justin is a true student of the arts. 
Now, Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, if somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of The Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes. So what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. All righty, and we are back. If you are just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rustita and Robert. Give us a call, 347-677-0699, if you'd like to speak to our special guest, Dr. Robert Goldman. All right, before we bring him on the line, uh, I just want to say that Dr. Goldman is an incredible gentleman. I haven't met him in person yet, but I've heard a lot about him. Um, and I don't want to give away too much stuff um, about him because uh, I'd like for all our listeners to hear it straight from him. But in regards to the martial arts, uh, he is a black belt in karate. He's a Chinese weapons expert. And he's also a world champion athlete with over, get this folks, 20 world strength records. He's been listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. And some of his past performance records um, include, get this everyone, 13,500 consecutive sit-ups and 321 consecutive handstand push-ups. Not regular push-ups, handstand push-ups, and I've seen videos of this gentleman doing it. He's also an inductee um, of the Masters Hall of Fame in recognition for his contributions to the martial arts and to the public in the field of medicine. So please help me welcome Dr. Robert Goldman to the show. Dr. Robert, how are you doing this morning? Thank you, and happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Happy Father's Day. Yes, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to to join us on the Dynamic Dojo radio show. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Right on. Well, um, usually we uh, get our listeners to learn a little bit about our guest's past uh, martial arts history. So, could you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in a martial arts and uh, what types of martial arts you were involved in? Well, I grew up I grew up in the inner city in New York. Uh, I guess we used to call it the ghetto or the projects. And mm-hmm. uh, learning how to protect oneself was really almost a matter of survival. I mm-hmm. used to take the uh, train into Chinatown in the city as well as uh, I studied there as well as uh, in Brooklyn and a few other schools. And then I also uh, studied over in Asia. Um, where I tested out as well. So um, I, I would go to uh, quite often to uh, China, Hong Kong, uh, 
Seoul, Korea, um, Indonesia, and Malaysia. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So did you, uh, when you were in uh, Korea and Malaysia, I, I gather you, you, you studied the uh, the arts from those countries, Silat and stuff like yeah, that? Like, uh, yeah, Silat is very big in Singapore and uh, in Malaysia. In fact, one of my good friends is a, a world champion out there. And there are, quite, there are quite a few variations on the arts out there. It's a little different. Um, they can be uh, extremely aggressive, but they're mm-hmm. also very, very respectful, especially of the elders, and that's one of the thing, things that I really appreciate and, and, and regard highly for those involved in the martial arts is the respect for their teachers, something that's severely lacking in schools today and in regular mm-hmm. schools. Uh, and I think uh, the martial arts model in terms of the way schools are run and the respect that's given to the instructors is something that's really fallen short in, in the regular school system. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's uh, that's something that me and uh, Sifu Bob have been uh, talking about uh, as of late um, on our previous episodes. Is the 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 path that I guess commercial martial arts is is, is going in in the United States uh, or in general? I, I don't know about any other countries, but I do know that in the Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, even the the respect for the teacher or the coach is first and foremost. Um, and if there are any disagreements, then you, you take it up directly, <laughs> but you have to, you know, but it has to be for a good reason. Um, but yeah, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's a, well, many, that's many, a many lot many of things. Like Korea, they never, in Korea, they, they, they never argue with their elder. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. we see this even in the medical world when we have a elder professor, even though the younger professors may have better concepts of what needs to get done. They always defer to their elders, which isn't always the best thing. But I think in the in the in the martial arts dojo environment, I think it's it's always best to show respect to the teacher. And and you Absolutely. know, I, do you find that the 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 same type of uh, not path? How do I put this? Yeah, do you find it happening um, somewhat in the medical community where where people tend to argue with the elders or is it just like it would be in like Indonesia, let's say? Oh no. They, <laughs> in medicine these days, everybody argues with everyone. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know technology is changing so quickly. You know, many That's of the uh, older physicians are sort of rooted in the old way of doing things, which sometimes could actually be better. You know, a lot of the hands-on, hands-on treatments that were, were very important they are being put by the wayside and we're relying too much sometimes on technology. And the doctor doesn't even touch the patient now. He's just sitting there with a white coat across from the desk. And, you know, that hands-on component, that patient-physician uh, relationship is so critically important and it's really being lost. And, and now with the HMO care and Obamacare and, and, the, and the kind of the machine that's put in place today, instead of doctors being... Physicians are now just healthcare providers, like they're working at McDonald's, and so a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of important components are being lost today, and um, you know, and we see this. And so, when you have martial art artists that are that are injured uh, due to knee and shoulder injuries, and you know, a lot of chronic injury that occurs, um, if they don't get the proper treatment, the acute injury or the, the new injury becomes a chronic one. So, I think that finding the right Healthcare for for your injury is really critical. But what's exciting is seeing the new uh, developments in stem cell technologies and mm-hmm. the various compounds, PRP, platelet-rich plasma, 
um, using different types of uh, cellular tissues um, is really very exciting for a lot of the injuries that we are seeing today in martial arts. Mm -hmm. Wow, Bob. You know, I couldn't agree with you more because I remember that the doctor that actually delivered me, he was a true physician. You know, he had the expert equipment. He treated you from start to finish, not not a matter of referrals like it is nowadays, where they have to refer you mm -hmm. to someone to get your x-rays done and refer you to somewhere to get an MRI. You know, the whole thing has changed. Well, you know, it, it's very interesting, you know, having gone through, you know, been through the different phases of medicine, because so I have four doctorates, so I, uh, I'm an MD, a DO, and I have two PhDs, so I sort of come from a, a number of different angles, because wow. uh, having been involved in research as well as patient care, it gives you a, a bit of a different perspective. And I think that uh, we have some great technologies like the full-body MRIs and CT, CAT scans, and mm -hmm. so on. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the imaging technology is very exciting. I mean, we're able to do these full 3D images from every angle and see things that we never could see before. We'd have to literally mm -hmm. cut somebody open from their, from their neck all the way down to their belly button to even have an idea of what we can see now in a matter of minutes on these scans. But uh, the, the patient contact with the physician is really important, and I think sometimes we rely a bit too much on technology and, leave, and, and the human component is left because many times just that the human touch or the human component um, many times can be very important in assuring the patient, making them feel comfortable. And uh, that's why you have a, a, a lot of uh, conflict now in the medical community. In the old days, 99% of doctors would tell their children to go into medicine. Today, 98% tell them not to, which is a profound mm. change. So you're going to get a much lower wow. level of, of uh, quality of doctor coming into the field these days than you did in the old days because they're not getting – it's not – same as it was. It's not the same environment. Um, it's a different, really is a different ball game now. Wow. Wow. 98% telling their kids not to. That's, that is yeah. a big, yeah. that's a yeah. huge change. That's yeah, like, it's, it's wow. A pretty massive, it's a pretty massive change because they can't practice medicine anymore because every patient coming the door is a lawsuit waiting to happen. And, um, oh, you know, yeah. we're, in, we're in such a litigious society that, you know, the doctors are almost afraid to do things or they're doing things they really shouldn't do or don't need to do because they're trying to protect themselves from a potential lawsuit. So now everything is papered over, and there's, you know, just a whole array of, of red tape that's come into, into the medical field. But we don't need to waste time talking about medicine. I know you guys are more interested in fitness and martial arts, so you, you take over from here. Well, it, it, it's actually interesting because, you know, I was just talking to my mother who lives with me uh, a few hours ago, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to be talking with uh, um, a well-known doctor on the show today. And, and she, the first thing she she said was, gosh, I really cannot believe the technology. <laughs> you know, but, you know, my, my mom's like 80, 83 and, you know, she she comes from the Philippines where a lot of the medicine was more like, you know, spiritual medicine. And uh, and if you did see a doctor, it was very hands on from start to finish. And, um, you know, she's undergone many, many surgeries and uh, almost did not 
um, do um, the lung surgery that she needed to do to save her life because she was afraid of any complications and, you know, what they'd have to do. She was afraid, oh, they're going to have to cut me open from like head to toe to see what's going on. And she was really amazed at the technology and the the doctor she was dealing with that that really took the time to call her personally, like every day um, and still calls like once a month, you know, to say, hello, how are you doing? That kind of thing. And I, we haven't seen that in many other doctors uh, prior to that. Um, so when you yeah. met, when you mentioned that, um, that, that medicine has changed lately with all the technology and the, the change in the quality of uh, the medical knowledge that uh, people have nowadays, um, it is interesting, and I, me and Bob do want to talk about it a little bit later. So we'll get yeah. into that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, we, think, I think an area that's really quite interesting to the martial arts community um, is when you get these chronic injuries. You know, in the old days, we, you know, we give mm-hmm. people non-steroidals or they might get uh, steroid injections mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. What's exciting that we've seen now that's being done is you can do something called PRP, that's platelet-rich plasma. You take some blood out of the patient. You spin it down, you pull out the platelets, and then you inject the platelets. They even use that for the vampire facelift and for uh, growing hair uh, on patients. It's really quite effective. But if you do a combination of the PRP, the platelet-rich plasma, plus you also, by pulling some fat cells out of the patient, you could spin out their, you could spin their own stem cells out and separate the stem cells out and you can do a combination of the stem cells and maybe even some umbilical cord stem cells along with the PRP injected into joints. I had some chronic use injuries in my elbows where I could barely grab someone's hand. I had two treatments in both elbows. I'm back to my full strength, and I'm using full stacks on the on the weight machines again like I did Whoa. in my training. Wow. So it doesn't always work great for everyone, but... Uh, the first treatment, they made an error because they left too many white cells. If you leave white cells in the, in the, PRP, uh, <clears throat> the PRP application, then you can get a lot of inflammation. The first guy that did it, he left too many white cells, and it hurt like heck. It was really painful. But the oh. second procedure, they, they removed the white cells, so I didn't have that same kind of um, downtime. But now I'm back up to full strength. I mean, I'm, I'm lifting and doing things. I've got the, the same you know, animal grip I had when I was competing, which I have not had for about eight years, eight, ten years. Wow. Wow, that so is exciting pretty, news. Yeah, part of it's pretty encouraging, especially for uh, we're getting closer to where we can inject it and start to grow some of the cartilage in the knee and, and some of the other areas. So you can save uh, people through, um, through from some surgery. And, you know, I don't want to under all, un- underestimate also the need of various massage therapies and Reiki and uh, acupuncture and all these other things, which... You know, it can be very useful for the athlete. Wow. <laughs> my knees are like, what's that? My, my knee, The ears on my knees perked up. I'm like, what's that? You guys are in a really ballistic, uh, you know, sport where, you know, you're, you're banging and smashing and flipping around. And, you know, when I, you know, uh, when I was at the Masters Martial Arts Hall of Fame, which was a terrific event, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to hardwire that into my schedule going forward. Even if I have to fly back from Asia for it, I think it, they did. Uh, Dan Hacks oh, and his people cool. did a terrific job. Um, you know, there are a few events that I just don't miss now, and and one is Alan Goldberg's event out on the on the West Coast in Atlantic City every year, the mega event, which is tremendous. Um, I'm going to put the Dragon Fest in my program now annually as well. 
Um, Mike, Mike Masuda with the Martial Arts History Museum is doing a terrific job. We had a lot of fun there, um, you know, a week ago. Um, so there's some great events out there, and I'm, I'm really going to try and work them all into my schedule, even though I have a very intense international travel schedule. Very cool. It would be. It'll be very great cool. to to see you again. We. Uh, I know Bob and I. Bob, did you get a chance to talk with Doctor? I'm getting the Bobs mixed up here. <laughs> Bob, did you get a chance to talk to Doctor Bob at the Masters Hall of Fame? Because I knew you were there, Doctor Bob. And I didn't get a chance to introduce myself yet. Because you know what? Good. I. Do, do you do you do know how fast I, I was like the flash at the Masters? I was nobody could see me. Everybody knew I was there, but I was doing other stuff. I did get a chance to shake his hand, but okay. I was so so busy and so frazzled. I was I was I I, I swore out of subconscious I flipped Dan Heck the bird. I swear. I did. <laughs> you and me, you and me both, brother, frazzled, but you more so than me. I because. <laughs> you, you know what? We we have a, we have a caller, Rusty. That may want to speak with Doctor Bob. Yes, we do. I think we've got area code eight one eight, and if I remember the number correctly, this is Mister James Wilson. Is this James. Hey, yeah. Hey, Doc. <laughs> hey, James. How are you, buddy? I'm real good. I'm calling in, Rosita um, and uh, Bob. I, I I have the enjoyment of talking to Dr. Bob a lot, but I'm always trying to see how he does business because he's an extremely successful and great businessman, and how he how he operates, and I'm always trying to learn that. So I never get to ask him questions about anything else. Oh, you know? cool! So, ask away. I'm not with him, <laughs> or we're not talking directly. I have a question, Doc. How do you train to do something like 13,500 sit-ups or right? 321 handstand push-ups? How do you train right? for something like that? How, well, what do you do? You know, it's a funny question. You, you first of all, you got to, you got to, you have to pick your parents properly so you have the right genetics to start. But, um, but beyond that, um, you, uh, you, you got. It's, it's a matter of, of focus repetition. You just have to do it like all the time, like handstand push-ups and push-ups. Uh, every time you get the chance, you just chop right down and do more. Wow. That's it? I mean, but how many hours? I mean, are we talking like hours a day? Well, when I was when I was doing the endurance records for Guinness World Book, um, I would I would be training. I would say sometimes I train as much as six hours a day. It was pretty crazy. Um, because I was because I was also doing conventional sports. I was I was I played uh, ten years of uh, football all the way through college. I was a freestyle wrestling training for the Olympic Games in freestyle, uh, did track, shop with. So I would have to vary between different uh, sporting activities, but I always the calisthenics were always um, a very uh, strong component of whatever training I was doing. So I was just doing an awful lot. And diet. What did you eat? What do you eat, uh, James? To have that kind of endurance. What did I eat? Yeah, what do you need to train like well, that to have that kind of endurance? Uh, well, you know, funny, we, weren't very, we weren't very sophisticated back then, so and because I came from a poor family, I'd eat whatever was around. Um, and um, you know, it's funny we we did some pretty goofy things. I mean, one time uh, we thought that milk bones and dog bones were going to make you stronger, so I bought a box of those. And let me tell you, you don't want to go chewing on those things so quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did. 
sure did, and uh, you know it's embarrassing. But yeah, I mean, I even I tried everything, including eating dog milk bones. Wow. But I, I did not have a scientific approach back then. It was just a matter of you know we were very unsophisticated. We didn't have the vitamins that we have today. But then again, foods you didn't have all the GMO foods either, so you had natural foods. So what you did eat was real food. It wasn't chemically manipulated, genetically modified stuff. So you actually got real food. But um, back in those days, I mean, you know, we we would go out to eat maybe once every six months. You know, basically you ate with what was available. So there was nothing really scientific back then. At least that I had the opportunity to do until later on. You may even have uh, done things wrong. You know, when I when I played sports in high school, I remember my coach telling us he would during at game at halftime he would pass around Coca Colas and give us Hershey bars. And, yes, and, and before and the game, he would always tell us to eat a big steak before the game. Yeah, our knowledge base back then was pretty terrible. I mean, you know, uh, when you look back, it was, in fact, the coaches didn't even want you to. I used to get a lot of abuse from uh, a lot of the sports um, coaches because I wanted to go. I was in the weight gym all the time, and I was in the calisthenics. They said, if you want to be a good football player, a good wrestler, just wrestle or play football. You don't need to do that other stuff. And the doctors would say, don't lift weights. You're going to get muscle round, muscle bound and enlarge your heart. So, meanwhile, all the, all the bodybuilders are still running around California 80s, and all the doctors are dead. So, uh, <laughs> right. so weight training is, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, it, the, 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 the anti-weight training, I mean, even if you take Pritikin, who was the, was the leader back in the 60s and 70s, and uh, what he used to say was, um, in order to lower your cholesterol and protect heart disease, you should uh, eat a healthier diet, have a lot of fiber in your diet, drink a lot of water. And exercise. Well, the American Heart Association, as well as the AMA, put, almost put the guy in prison. And today, that's wow. the policy of the American Heart Association. So you had, even had gyms in the health clubs in the West Coast being closed down, locked down, and shut down because they said exercise could improve your health. I mean, it was, it was really pretty nuts. But fortunately, all that's changed. Yeah, so that, but that just makes me think, how, how do you think you would have done with these records if you were trying to break them today and you were at the same age? Oh, no. If I, if I had the knowledge base back then, you know, I probably would have been able to do – I did that just on sheer will. Um, but then again, you know, I didn't stop. The only I, the handstand push-up, I kind of fell down. You know, I kind of ran out of steam. But you would if you were inverted for three minutes, going so like, you know, like a banshee out of heck, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. soon enough, I could have kept going. I could have done 15,000, 16,000. I didn't have to stop. And those are straight leg. The old way, we used to do the straight leg one, uh, touching elbow to knee, which is a lot harder than a bent leg because you have to go a lot further up. The problem with that, there were two issues. One, I would take an entire, entire family tube of zinc oxide and put it on my butt because going back and forth, you would get the abrasion on your coccyx. Mm-hmm. So you go 13 hours or so, you're going to be pretty abraded in the back no matter what you put back there. And the other thing that was a challenge, I had to keep changing holders, leg holders, because the guys couldn't couldn't keep going. They were running out of steam. I had to keep changing legs. People were holding your legs down. <laughs> so it was a pretty you funny out- scene. When you think back about it, it's kind of goofy, funny. but, you know, that's... that's that's the way you had a you know official there. It had to be photographed. You had to witnesses. You had to things signed by gymnastic officials. There was, Guinness is very strict. It's not easy to get in Guinness World Book. Mm-hmm. They don't accept all records, and even if they do, it's um, they're, they're very very strict. They won't necessarily accept something. You 
got to be very, very diligent in order to get a record in there. Well, I had to ask because uh, when I'm around you, I'm, you know, there's too much, too many things that you can teach me that I want to learn. But I've always been curious, how is it possible? (laughs) In my mind, it doesn't seem humanly possible. Well, you've obviously learned enough because you did a great job on the martial arts kid. I watched you in action, and you, you really did a terrific job of, you know, managing people and helping them and keeping them excited and inspired and dealing with all the many technical issues that it takes to be a producer, which is a very, very tough job, and you did a great job. Thank you, Doc. Well, I'm going to let you guys go so you can finish up on your interview. All righty. Thank you, James. Thanks for calling. Bye, guys. Bye. And that was James Wilson, the producer of the soon-to-be-released The Martial Arts Kit. I think that's coming out this summer, I think. I forgot to ask James that, but I think it's coming out this summer. So uh, look for it, everybody. The Martial Arts Kit. Great lineup. Um, Yeah, I was, you know, I'm I'm glad that James asked because I'm sure all our listeners are like, 13,000 what? And so, you know, um, so would you say that uh, that a lot of uh, the records that you set were based on sheer will and the and basically the same types of trainings that, like, let's say the old uh, old time uh, like Indian strongmen did? Because you know, back in the day, they didn't have you know all the vitamins and stuff like that either. Uh, would you say that pretty much will got you through these uh, through these records? Yeah, well, I, well, it was it was actually a combination of, of a few things. One is, you know, the, as you know, with martial arts, and you're all, <clears throat> you and your listeners are very, you know, very keen on that. That you know, a lot of it has to do with what, how your mind functions. Uh, one other component that was quite helpful is that I, I have a kind of odd genetics. In fact, the we did some uh, genetic testing. It appears that my body makes free, more free radical scavengers than it makes free radicals. So, I was able, at least at at, at those ages. Um, able to do things where the lactic acid buildup was not as extreme, uh, mm-hmm. but really a lot of it was mental. It was, you put yourself in a zone, you almost go in a trance because, um, you know, uh, you don't you just ignore the pain as martial arts artists do, but you just focus on making, when I would do the handstand push-ups, I would visualize myself that my body was light as a feather. It was very, very mm-hmm. light that I could just, like, jump up in the air like it was no weight at all. And that was the, the mental conditioning that I would do prior to, uh, doing that particular record. But I, I went out for a whole bunch of records, like the 50-yard handstand sprint and the world pull-up record and squat test record. And I got very close to a whole bunch of them. I would just go through the Guinness World Book and look at things to break. Wow. That's amazing. Now, did you did when you got into this, um, this field of health and fitness, did you find that it was like a natural course of action because of the martial arts or was it something that you were always interested in? Well, I, I think it started when I was, you know, quite young. The first time I touched the pull-up bar in elementary school, I broke the school record. So we said, uh-oh, something's up here. And so then I went around, I went through the process of diligently uh, training. But I, I think there was a natural um, ability to do those things. And then, you know, we could all have good abilities, but what we do with it, and we see that in martial arts, you have somebody who has great talent, but if they don't train hard, the guy who trains hard is going to be will better them, will mm-hmm. be better. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it all it, it's you know when you see the concentration, focus, and the hard work, you know. And I said this during the museum day when we had the museum day with Michael Matsato over there. Um, 
my regard and, and respect for the martial arts community, not only for what they're able to do, but the camaraderie and the uh, how they are all like one family, although there are the disputes between East Coast, West Coast, my style is better than your style. But I think mm-hmm. if they can overcome all that stuff, I think martial arts can really uh, evolve to where it is the most popular sport out there, you know, and, and eclipse the conventional sports. It's just a matter of overcoming some of the kind of um, things that are only hurting it, not helping it. So one of the mm-hmm. goals that I have personally is to try and get the community to work more closely together and also to work more intelligently in a business fashion so that there is a better way for people to make uh, better livings as martial artists and to learn some basic concepts, how they can be more successful so they can practice their art and not be so concerned about how they're handling their bills, which today I see, I, I've noticed that's pretty rampant in the martial arts community of these mm-hmm. amazingly talented people who unfortunately are, you know, under the gun all the time and they can't, they, you know, they're under that stress and it really detracts from, you know, how great they can be and what they're doing because, they're, you know, they're very distracted. Exactly. Exactly. Been there, done that. <laughs> and, and, it's, uh, and it, and it, <laughs> and, and, you know, and it, it, it's true though, cause it's, it, cause it's like, like, like what Dr. Bob said is like, you've got all of these incredibly talented people with lineages that, that people could only wish for. And maybe their schools are like not doing as well, or they're not getting the draw um of students into their dojo or dojangs or guns um or they're just just not making it and they're going to have to close their their schools I, I i'm meeting more and more people like that and some people blame it on mma everyone's going to mma some people just bl- blame it on the on the economy um but it's it's true though it's 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 tough and it does distract it's kind of a two-edged sword, wouldn't you say? Because if it distracts you from your teaching, then the students leave, and then, yeah, and then, and then if you can't get people in, then then you're stressing out about the the money or closing your school. It's it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Well, also, you when you train up a, a whole a whole new slew of back, black belts, they go and open schools in your area, and all of a sudden, your your class of 300 is down to 50, and so. It, it, it really is challenging, but I think that can be solved for by bringing more people into the pool. You know, one of the one of the areas that uh, I've been very fortunate is that I'm very good at organizing conferences, and we built the, my, the company that I founded is the largest conference and exhibition group in the world in anti-aging, longevity, and and uh, health education for physicians. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a model that's used in growing these things, and I think that if you can increase the pool of new students coming into the martial arts, that can make up for the loss of, of students that one would have because there is, you know, there's a group, you know, a, a two or three year students graduate and open up a school in your area. But if you had the mm-hmm. volume of additional new students, then everybody would still be okay. But unfortunately, that's not the case. You don't have enough of the pool. Or you have schools that are just sort of giving belts out and, you know, there's, you know, there's different you know, there's a, there's a commercial mm-hmm. aspect sometimes that that I, I know is very frustrating for many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you're, it is. You're absolutely right. You know, and and it's funny you mentioned anti-aging. I know you're you're really into to anti-aging, uh, but I've surrounded my myself around things that just cause me to age more. You know, I'm married, I have kids, <laughs> and and I hang out with Rusty. 
So I'm just getting oh, I'm just getting older, by the You know, Rusty, I was wondering when I was going to squeeze that stick in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, now, now, Doc, how did you get involved with the martial arts kid? At this, I want, there was an echo when James was on. I really wanted him in, but there was an echo on the line. Uh, so how did you get involved? How did you meet James and, and go through the uh, process? Uh, well, it, you know, it, one of the things that I did not want to get involved in was I've been approached for years to be involved for funding movies or being involved in production of, of movies in the Hollywood community because, uh, you know I, know, I know that community for many years and I would get scripts and things thrown at me for years, but I always turned them down and, and uh, did not get involved from, from the business end or really in any fashion in any production. Um, but, you know, having developed a relationship with, with Don, Wilson, and Cynthia and that community, uh, and James, um, I started to, you know, I saw that they really wanted to do this, and I thought it was really important because of the topic, the anti-bullying topic, I think is so important because if you can give kids confidence and make them feel better about themselves, uh, many, you, can, you can probably eliminate a lot of the terrible things that, that we see that happen today in terms of the you know, the shootings and all, all these terrible issues mm-hmm. that we see. So I thought it was a very important project that needed to be made. And then as they started the project, I saw that they really did need some input from the business end to make sure that it was successfully um, uh, supported and funded and that things were came together properly or it would have went from a, the terrific win and the great project that it was to something that would have been not quite as um, appetizing. But it was sort of like a miracle from start to finish. Things really worked out. Um, we had a great closing, good, great wrap-up party at the end. Everybody became very close. Um, it, it became like a, a family on set. And, um, you know, it really, it, it really was a great experience, I think, for everybody involved. And, and people just really had fun while they were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, was, it was great from start to finish. Very cool. Now, did you? Um, um, I'm sorry, Bob, but uh, <laughs> Sifu Bob, right. um, did you have? Um, I don't remember because I haven't like seen the film yet, um, or um, gone to the premiere, or um, seen the credits. Did uh, I? I thought I'd heard that you were that you had a part in the show in in the movie. Well, it, uh, it's really just a cameo. They did a. Um, uh, a, a grandmaster's workout, and I happen to be one of the people on the stage. But you know, the people on the stage are true grandmasters. I don't consider myself anything like that. Um, uh, but these are, you know, just great, um, you know, very high-level world champion uh, martial artists. Uh, you know, just all, you know, terrific people. Uh, Cynthia Rodriguez and uh, Orlando Rivera and uh, Don Wilson, of course, and um, um, just. Uh, just a, a great, great group of people that were on stage. There were about six of us on stage, and it was um, Jeff Smith um, and uh, Glenn Wilson. Uh, so it was, you know, it was an honor just to be on stage hanging out with those guys. But um, they're grandmasters. I'm not a grandmaster, or even close. <laughs> well, right on. Well, you know, I was I was at the uh, premiere, which was was pretty cool. And I and I looked at the people on that stage, and I was very proud that I had had that. Rusty and I had had about 50% of the people on that stage, the grandmasters that are fabulous people, fabulous martial arts. We've actually had them all on the show. 
uh, Orlando, uh, Glenn, Christina. Mm-hmm. We've had we've had them all, and they're all fabulous martial arts and great human beings. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a terrific, terrific group, and you know it's an honor to, to be in the same room with them, to be on stage with them is even a greater honor. So they're really uh, just a terrific group of people, and 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 they're all for their for their accomplishments. They're all very modest and and, and very. Um, uh, they're great teachers, you know. They're very, they're very interested in teaching, and that's the part that also impresses me so much in this community, is the willingness to teach others. You don't really see that in other sports. There's very few sports where you see this, where everyone wants to teach all these people. They want to share their art. You generally do not see that in other sports. People are very close, close-fisted about it. They, um, they don't want to share what their, what their inside tricks are, or technology, or methodology. Um, it's very different in the martial arts. It's just a, a con- completely different mindset because mm-hmm. it, they see it as greater than themselves. They see it as, as an art, not just a sport, like throwing a football mm-hmm. around or whatever. Exactly. Because cause, uh, you uh, still do, to a certain extent, that that uh, sometimes uh, sports enthusiasts just happen to, to know or think, hey, you know, this sport's going to, Keep going, regardless. Whereas in the martial arts, you might have some, you know, martial arts that could die along with the last grandmaster, which is why, you know, I think us martial artists are so keen on being able to, you know, try and pass it on. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because, you know, I've been seeing a lot of that uh, where, you know, a lot of martial arts teachers will freely teach and uh, get the ideas of their arts out there to people, to anyone that'll listen. Uh, whereas in, you know, you've got certain uh, uh, sports personalities that might not, like you say, give away their secrets of the trade or their training tips or whatever for who knows why. But, uh, but yeah, it's something I've always admired with martial artists as well, the willingness to teach and the humility also, the humility part. Yeah, the, 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 that's the part that, that really has always impressed me and, and really impresses me very much now with, um, you know, knowing, you know, becoming friends and knowing these people so well. Their humility, their modesty, um, you know, and the way that they conduct themselves is really impressive as heck. I mean, you know, this is what is really lacking, I think, in in so many other sports. And you've got, you know, a lot of the... NBA or NFL ball players, you have all these different, you know, issues. Or even in the MMA, you know, you've got you've got people who are, um, you know, not really setting the, the appropriate example. Where mm-hmm. uh, for the bulk of the martial arts, especially the great ones, you know, these world champions we're talking about. I mean, these people are just they'll always take the time to speak to people, to students. There's none of this, um, you know. Michael J. White also is, in, you know, another great example of someone who. Um, you know, takes the time out to teach and is a super guy. And uh, Jason Satham, who I, you know, I've become good friends with, also a great guy. Although he, he can't really go anywhere because he gets pounded by people. I was I was with I had Christmas dinner with him in Bangkok, and we couldn't even have dinner with people who keep running over. But um, uh, you know, you get these people in, in anything but that kind of condition, and they're all really uh, very giving, warm people who are just great down to earth people. In fact, what we do every year, we always have a a birthday party for Chuck Zito at the Arnold Sports Festival where I hold the International Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. 
And uh, the whole gang is there. Uh, in fact, the year before last, we had Michael J. White, we had Jason Statham, Alan Goldberg, Orlando. I mean, the whole army was there. Everybody showed up. It was great. Right on. It was probably the safest Thanks. room in the restaurant, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, true. Now, is in that room. <laughs> now, you and I, Bob, had met at, of course, the Masters Hall of Fame when I was ready. If I had hair left, I'd be ready to pull it out. Uh, uh, go ahead, Rusty. Go ahead. Say it. Now, but who nominated you? And tell us about your feeling when you found out about the nomination of the Masters. Well, I, I, I met uh, Neil Harden at the, um, at the at, at, I believe it was at Alan Goldberg's event on the, on the East Coast in Atlantic City in mm-hmm. January. And he mentioned this to me, and then uh, Jamie Cushing, who I happened to met, meet at the um, at the martial arts kid filming. So Jamie was the one that uh, sponsored me for induction. Um, uh, you know, I did have uh, different people calling me on that, and you know, I was a little curious about it because I didn't really know much about that particular organization. Um, but I was very impressed by what I saw. I thought they did a great job. Um, it wasn't so big where you really couldn't spend time with people. It was really a fun mm-hmm. event. We had a great time, and you know it was great seeing Cynthia, Cynthia Rothrock, and Don, and everybody else. It was really a, a really terrific fun event. It was real enjoyable and something that um, that I'm going to go to every year now. Oh, good. As, as busy as I was that night, I may change my mind about going every year, and I have to. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, so, not man, not, it's not mandated for me, but I think I'll, uh, I'm going to try try to get there annually now. Please do. You're always welcome, and it is a good event. Uh, and you're right. This year was the right size. In the yes. years past, the doc, it's been, you know, we've been approaching five, six hundred people, and that's well, when it gets know. a little nuts. Well, I know the year before was pretty crowded. A buddy of mine, Mike O'Hearn, who's uh, you know a well-known bodybuilder, lifter, and also mm-hmm. martial artist. Mike was inducted the year before, and mm-hmm. he was uh, real excited. He was very positive about it. So when when it came up, I thought that you know this was something that you know would be really interesting to look into, and and it was good fun and something I you know I'll look to look look to attend on a regular basis now. Oh, very good. You're always welcome. Uh, now, you know, I, you're a very humble man. You know, you don't consider yourself a grandmaster or master, which is a, a pretty you need, neither do I. Even though I hold the master rank, I don't consider myself there. Uh, you know, the, the the fight we have, maybe I shouldn't bring this up. Of course, Russ is going to scold me later. Because the biggest fight we have in nominating somebody, we nominate them on their merits. But yet they do have to buy their dinner. Uh, do you see that as a problem? Of course, you, you're you're a little bit better off, but did that even cross your mind? Why am I paying $200 for dinner? Well, it didn't cross my mind, and uh, you know I, I'm very supportive of any of these events. So um, you know, you know, I, I know that they, they have to have capital so they can actually hold their events. So you know, that didn't even cross my mind at all. Uh, just like it wouldn't cross my mind with Alan Goldberg's event or with. Dragon Fest or anything else. I mean, you know, they have to. And being in the show business in terms of conference and Congress business and expos, you know, I understand that these things, you know, they cost money to run and promote and and do and do do it properly so that people have a really neat experience. You know, sometimes you just have to, 
you know, you you got to spend a little bit so you enjoy it. One of the things that that we did that was actually kind of funny. This um, when we did the martial arts kid. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I was very close working with James Wilson, and so I said, look, why don't we? You know, I'm going to be out in California. Why don't we uh, do a photo shoot at you know get all the people down to Jerry Blank's JoJo and let's do a shoot. He says, well, you know, I don't, so James said, oh, I think we'll only get like four or five or maybe eight people. I said, don't worry, you'll get more. Well, we have like 80 people. And then for the closing party, which I was paying for, uh, the rap party for the movie, James thought there'd be like 25, maybe 40, 50 people. We had 250 people. <laughs> Holy moly. So, wow. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, I said, it was more expensive than expected, obviously, but it was worth it. It was a great way to send everybody off in a really positive mode. Everybody had a great time. Um, but you gotta you got to spend money in order to um, to help support certain activities. So I don't think anybody should have any problem spending 100 or 200 bucks to to attend something that's an important event that that the promoter has to spend a lot of money in order to make that thing happen. Mm-hmm. It's not free. The hotel's not free. The food's not free. Um, and many times people expect to be, you know, flown in and this or that. I mean, you know, a lot of times things, it's an honor to be invited to something, and you got to sort of look at it that way. But it is true mm-hmm. that, you know, some people financially, it's very tough for them. And so, you know, we're not making light of that. But, you know, if you, if you, you know, you, 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 if you want to be able to hold these types of events, you have to have the financial capital alone to be able to do it. So mm-hmm. people shouldn't get too, you know, get too um, negative about the fact that these things cost money to, to actually hold. I totally agree. Uh, now you, I do too. What, I agree. I was interested, Doc, in what got you interested in the medical field, and and are are you a specialist or are you a general practitioner? Well, I, I've been practiced quite a number of years. I, I really went through my my training to learn how to learn. That's why I learned I learned from the PhD researcher end as well as from the um, the treatment end. But I, after I graduated medical school and finished my fellowship training, because I did combined fellowship training at the same time I was in med school, I was actually in med school alone for almost seven years uh, and did some postdoc work. My interest was in bringing new technology to the world, and I've been fortunate to um, you know, develop uh, some technologies that are saving tens of thousands of lives. Some of the, at one time, I was overseeing a patent portfolio of over 150 medical patents uh, did uh, wow. cooperative research agreements with NASA and the American Red Cross and uh, Stanford Research Institute and the Department of Defense and the FDA and so on. Where my interest is more in developing technologies, and one of them that I had written some of the original patents on was a way to increase the donor pool for organs. And we came up with a kidney transporter. So instead of just throwing a kidney into a bucket of ice, we actually plug it into a very sophisticated. A machine where we could actually reanimate it so you increase the donor pool of kidneys and these things are being retrofitted now for lungs and livers and things. So um, my interest more was in the business of medicine or the business of education versus a regular practice. My entrance into into uh, medicine initially is I wanted to be a team doctor like the, for one of the NFL teams like the Giants or the Jets or the, or the New York Knicks or something like that because I was from New York. But as I got deeper in, I said, you know, I don't want to really be a prisoner with a beeper on. And every time originally I was going to do either neurosurgery or orthopedic surgery, I don't want to be a prisoner of that. So I wanted to have the freedom to 
zip around the world and create new technologies and, and create things that have large impact on large numbers of people. And that was the whole reason, even starting NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, which I also founded, which started the whole personal trainer profession. Now you have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people making a living now as personal trainers, getting certified. So for me, it was always about how can you take the knowledge or the technology or the basis and not just help one person at a time, but help tens of thousands of people. And to me, that's much more intriguing and much more interesting. Wow. You know what was – this was so cool, Doc. What Rusty and I were discussing before the show was, do you know you, – you, this is a trip to me, that you can actually be partly responsible for Rusty's mother's procedure because one of your products may have helped save her life. That you were involved in the production of. Well, I mean, yeah, it, we it, were it all over the world. Now, I'm not really sure if if uh, if that was used, but uh, certainly now, I don't know. It's, I know it's in the tens of thousands of people have been lives have been changed from that. But you know, this all these things. You know, we all make whatever contributions we can during this short time we're on the planet. So uh, it's really a matter of trying to make what, the best contributions we can to affect the most people. And, you know, because we're, we're really only here for a nanosecond when you look at the, if you look at the whole scope of time, you know, mm-hmm. the, the time, you know, you blink your eyes uh, you, you, and your high school reunion is up. One day you think you're in high school, next thing you wake up and you're, you know, you're in the senior citizen gang. So uh, you got you to gotta try and do as much as you can while you can. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right on. Now, um, you're also a, a a very published author, am I right? Um, I'm just kind of going through here and looking at some of the books that you've authored, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that you wrote this many books. <laughs> this is this is awesome. Um, now, um, when it came to um, to writing books, you've got like many volumes of of books regarding anti aging therapeutics. Uh, was this a natural course? Um, that you wanted to follow uh, in regards to the research that uh, you and your organizations have done? Well, I mean, you know, education is key, and and books used to be, you know, hard books used to be the way to do it. I mean, I've already done about 43, I don't know, 44, I'm not really sure how many these days, but um, uh, I went from writing, you know, specific one-topic books, say something about a specific area of fitness or health, more into volumes where I serve as an editor were large volume textbooks that take that compile the research of many different scientists so that we have these educational tools that can help train a lot of doctors because every doctor you train affects a thousand people we're certainly mm-hmm. in the hundreds so to me it's more about you know uh, and we've already trained I would say through the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine the World Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine which I'm the co-founder of we probably trained you know well over 150,000 physicians, I would say, and healthcare professionals by now. And they then, then go out, and these people then change the lives of millions of people. And we do this around mm-hmm. the world because we're one of the few groups that holds conferences, not just one a year. We do dozens a year, and we do these all around the world. Every year we have conferences in China and Thailand, Malaysia, uh, Bali, Indonesia, Australia, Dubai, uh, so we're affecting, it's more of a global approach. And because I like to circle the globe, which I do four to six times a year, um, I think it's uh, really neat to uh, bring these types of uh, educational things, raise the bar 
and really change the way medicine is being practiced and create, you know, it's not often you get a chance to create a whole new field of medicine. When we started and came up with the concept of anti-aging, it didn't exist, and now it's uh, approaching a $300 billion a year industry. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see these things birth out, and then the companies that are created, and then the jobs that are created for the people who then work on these different projects. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. Now, for our listeners out there, if you want to talk to Dr. Bob Goldman, give us a call, 347-677-0699. I really don't know if very many people are going to call because it's Father's Day. I just, yeah, I think most people really, are, and they really should be with their, with their pop They should today, be. You know, so, uh, I, I, yeah. I don't think, they're gonna, I think a lot of people are going to be listening to the radio right now because that deserves and should have priority. Uh, but, exactly. You know, uh, for the few people that just happen to not be with their pop, I guess I guess they're around somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, people get to listen to the show on archive in archived version also. So if anyone misses it, they can actually uh, they can actually listen because there's a lot of great information that you've given so far. Um, so I hope uh, the listeners can uh, listen to that. And I do know that there are at least a few listening live that uh, that have uh, made comments here on. Facebook, like that's cool, and make sure people turn off their speakers when they call in and you know, stuff like that. So I know people are listening. Um, now, for our, also for our listeners out there, um, Dr. Bob, um, as we've been talking about, has written a lot of books, uh, but it's not all about anti-aging. Um, he's got really great books um, out there. Like there's uh, one, if I remember correctly, called The E Factor: The Secrets of uh, New Tech Training and Fitness for the Winning Edge. Um, and brain fitness. I mean, these are these are great books. I'm going to be looking in Amazon here in a little bit after the show, just to, just out of curiosity. So a lot of great books, uh, folks. You know, look on Amazon and look up uh, Dr. Bob Goldman. Um, now uh, I kind of want to get back into the kind of like the fitness realm, and I'm pretty sure you've been asked this before, but uh, you know, when you were coming up training for your fitness records and and uh um doing sports and stuff like that as you mentioned um you were doing it old school now nowadays though uh like we had briefly mentioned also there's a lot of uh new technology a lot a lot of new equipment and unfortunately a lot of um uh performance enhancement type of uh stuff namely namely steroids um what what's what are your feelings on the use of steroids for increasing sports performance? Well, you know, it's a, it's an interesting topic. I mean, I wrote the first steroid expose back in 1984, Death in the Locker Room Steroids in Sports. Mm-hmm. Steroids, steroid, antibiotic steroids. Again, you can't confuse the two. One are um, uh, corticosteroids or anti-inflammatory steroids mm-hmm. are for decreasing inflammation. You're Androgenic anabolic steroids are, in essence, male hormones for uh, increasing power and strength. The um, the problem that you'd run into is that athletes started, they were too young and they were taking these things. The drugs are not bad drugs. They're used very effectively in medicine. Uh, hormone mm-hmm. replacement is something that is very effective for uh, patients as they get older. It's, it's, it really can change your lives dramatically. What I had a problem with was, uh, younger athletes taking very, very large or enormous doses of hormones that their body was already making and then suffering some ill effects from that. 
So the drugs are not bad drugs. They're very good drugs for the right purpose, but they should not be abused by the wrong patient population. And if somebody is utilizing any of these types of compounds, they need careful physician monitoring, uh, whether mm -hmm. it be growth hormone, testosterone. There's a lot of press now where they're talking about testosterone being, you know, dangerous or causing cancer and all these sorts of things. A lot of those, as, as well as growth hormone, these, these are these studies are really faulty. These studies are completely unfounded. You look at the literature, that's not really the case. Now, of course, if somebody has prostatic CA, they shouldn't, prostatic cancer, they shouldn't be taking uh, testosterone therapy. But there are a lot of hormone replacement therapies that I think are, are very useful. Uh, but uh, what is going to make all this moot is that they're working on these genetic or gene therapies, such as these myosin uh, blocking agents, like you have the Belgian blue bull, which has like double muscles, once the gene therapy mm -hmm. gets going into the gene itself and grows muscle, you're going to start to see these 400-pound athletes with a 6% uh, body fat and the steroids are going to be old news. And mm -hmm. some of this stuff is going to be starting to take place if it's not already taking place. I'm sure by the next Olympic Games, we're probably going to start to see you know, some more aggressive use of these compounds because they were originally invented for uh, people with uh, with uh, with muscular dystrophy or things where their muscles couldn't function properly, but then the athletes get their hands on it. And so I think you're going to start to see some gene manipulation, gene therapy becoming a real issue uh, in the future. Oh, wow. Well, now th there's also, um, like, side effects for, like, sev like severe usage of of uh, those types of, uh, is it anabolic steroids? Um, well, for you can kill somebody with water or an aspirin, you know what I mean? So uh, right. you take too much. And the problem is they would also take drugs that weren't properly labeled. They didn't even know what they were getting. They buy them in Mexico or whatever. So, um, uh -huh. you know, this indiscriminate use or abuse of, you know, without a physician or overtaking massive dosages, yeah, you can induce some really bad situations. Uh, but it, it is not the drug itself that is the problem. Mm -hmm. It is the manner in which it's used and the particular patient population of which it is used for. Cool, very, very cool. That's very good information. I wanted to, I wanted our listeners yeah. to, to get that information and to, to, to know that, you know, it does have its uses. It's well, it's just like anything else. You know, you use too much of it, or if you abuse it, then it can screw you up. <laughs> so I just, you know, because uh, yeah, I, definitely could. Yeah. Because you know, I've 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 met a uh, a lot of people through the years that um, have been on both sides of of the steroid coin. Uh, like you know, back in high school, a bunch of the guys would just take it, you know, without any knowledge of what it was, except for just knowing that oh, it's going to make me stronger for the football field. Um, and then you have people that have really benefited um, from steroid therapy. Um, so, but you know, there's there's. Uh, but some people like have the wrong idea of it, or some people will, you know what I mean. So I, I wanted the listeners to to get the informed information from from you. Very cool, awesome, awesome. Now, um, Doc, let me let me ask you a question then. I I had a herniated disc, and I, and they shot my uh, uh, I don't know what nerve they shot because I have a sciatic nerve pinch, and they shot me full of steroids in my back. What's the difference between the steroids a bodybuilder would take on an abusive side and the type of steroids that they'd shoot into a person for healthy reasons? 
Yeah, you see, the, the, you're talking about corticosteroids or anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. steroids, which are given, were given to you to decrease the inflammation in your back. Those are not those are not anabolic steroids, which are male hormone derivatives that affect the nitrogen balance and the muscle growth. It's a completely different class of drug. Oh, very okay. cool. Got it. Very cool. You hear that, listeners? Now, now, <laughs> now tell tell us about some of, some of your your charities, because I know you you are a very very giving person. What, tell us about the charities that you support. Uh, well, there, there's a, I, I started a number of foundations. I think up, it's probably up to about six by now, and they have different purposes. Uh, uh, several of them are for uh, medical research, where we fund different types of medical research uh, in areas that we think will help increase uh, health and longevity. Um, I started a project called the High Technology Fitness Research Institute, which was to do evaluations on fitness equipment, and at one time was the largest lab doing those type of evaluations was actually the basis for the E-Factor book to educate people on the proper way to use um, health equipment, fitness equipment, home equipment, and so on. Um, I was a strong supporter for many years of Athletes Against Drugs, which was started by Stedman Graham, Oprah Winfrey's boyfriend, uh, where we Mm -hmm. would go into the schools and try to set up alternative health and fitness programs for the kids and get pro athletes involved to go to the schools to lecture to the kids to give them hope as to what their futures could be. Uh, but my, my real favorite one these days is the International Sports Hall of Fame, where we pick six of the greatest athletes in all sports, and we uh, hold the ceremony. I do this with Governor Schwarzenegger, and we, um, we do this uh, every year in March, and that is really my favorite activity because we – so we picked those athletes, and, and it, like for this, like even just this last year, we had Evander Holyfield, the five-time world boxing champ. We had Michael J. White, seven black belts, Don the Dragon Wilson, um, who, um, as you know, is an 11-time world champion. We had Ed Cohen, who has over 70 world records. Linda Murray, who is um, eight-time Miss Olympia bodybuilding champion. Uh, we tried to um, pick people from different sports. And it's done at that event, but we do not accept any funding. We do not accept any charity. We, no one is charged to come in. We, we accept no sponsors whatsoever. All that's turned down. So the people that come in, they pay nothing. And so there's no tainting or pollution of the purity of the event. It's all about the athlete. But they can't just be a great athlete. What the most important component, aside from being a great athlete, is they have to give back. They have to mentor and teach others and be involved in their own charitable um, activities. So it's all about the, the pay forward and giving back to society and not just being a great, you know, a great athlete. And uh, we think that's very important. And, you know, and as you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger has got the Terminator movie coming out. You know, Arnold has his uh, after-school all-star program. And uh, also we have Triple H, uh, head of, you know, world champion from the WWE. Um, mm-hmm. All of these individuals are very involved in teaching and mentoring and uh, charitable activities of their own, and that is what is really important for picking those people. So that's really my favorite charitable event. In the past, we've had, uh, like, Archie Griffin is a two-time Heisman Trophy winner, the only one in history, Earl of Pearl Monroe, uh, NBA Hall of Famer, uh, Franco Colombo, um, uh, Bruno Sammartino, who is a 
a, mm-hmm. a world wrestling champion for many, many years. And I'll tell you what happened was funny with that event. What I did is Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruno Sammartino, and Franco Colombo had not seen each other in over 35 years until I put them all on stage together. Wow. wow. The human dynamics was off the charts. It was just I'll really, uh, it was really, really something special. And so we try to pick the class where we mix it with different types of people who are from very different backgrounds so that you get the, and the, and the speeches and the acceptance speeches this year were really just phenomenal because each of these people talked about giving back to others and helping others and, and um, you know, and these people are regular, like Randy Couture as well, is always involved in different uh, charity events. In fact, the year he went in, um, I, when I had Jason Statham in, I had Arnold, I had Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jason Statham, and Randy Couture in the room, so I had three of the Expendables in the room there, <laughs> which was really pretty neat. <laughs> How you know, cool so, is you know, that? I kind of mixed it up, so you really have that, you know, this kind of really neat uh, human dynamics, and, and and what happens is that everybody has such a great time. Now, we only allow about 150 people in the room. Well, you have 200,000 people coming to the Arnold Sports Festival, but only 150 people are in this room. And 100 mm-hmm. of them are international press. So everybody in the room is a world champion or former inductees. So the former inductees keep coming back. Randy Couture comes back every year. Mark Henry, uh, WWE world champion, world strongest man, he comes back every year. We get, you know, we get a lot of these people who just want to come back every year because everywhere you look, there's a world champion in a different sport, which mm-hmm. makes it so different. You know, you go to a martial arts hall of fame, they're all martial artists. But in this, you got an NBA hall of famer next to a WWE champion, next to an MMA guy, next to a martial arts guy, next to a bodybuilding world champion, next to a gymnastic world champion. It makes it such a astounding human dynamic event that everybody walks out, their eyes are crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we limit the room, and I, we don't want to get it too big because it'll lose that close touch. You don't want to be in a big stadium area in this huge room where you can't get tough, you can't get close or talk to the people, or you know they like to get their pictures taken with the different people. And people went crazy with Evander Holyfield when Jason Statham came in. We had to have bodyguards. It was nuts, but it was really wow. really fun. Everybody, wow. everybody had a great time. That's awesome. That's awesome. I really like how 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 the event was kept, you know, somewhat small, so that way it was personal. That's that's that is so awesome. It's like those yeah, arena fun. events are like. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been already contacted by uh, different groups all around the world who would like to do this in different parts of the world. I've already turned them down. I've had big sponsors who wanted to come in and do this. I want no. There should be no commercialism in this. There should be no sponsors. No company logos, there should be nothing that will taint the purity of this event because the event is all about the athlete. It is their day, it is their time to be recognized for who they are, what they've done, and what they are still doing for others. So I I completely fund this myself for my own foundation, and we accept no donations, charge nobody, and everybody gets, gets a free lunch too out of it. So not a bad deal. Very cool. Wow, Very that's cool. tremendous, Doc. Listen, mm-hmm. we have a caller that uh, is calling in from New York. Let's bring well, him let's, on. Uh, let's go callers, ahead and see who. Go ahead, let me introduce him. Okay. Hello. I've, hi. I've, hello. <laughs> hi. Area code three four seven. Who are we speaking with? That's me. My name's Anita. Hi, Anita. And, um, yeah. 
Hi, how are you today? Pretty good. Wonderful. Good, good. Well, um, I was just calling because I actually got to see um, one of the projects that Dr. Goldman is working on uh, called The Martial Arts Kid uh, Mm -hmm. movie, and it's about um, a young guy who learns martial arts to help protect himself against a bully. And I thought that that was amazing. I thought it was great because um, that's a message that really needs to get across to the younger population because bullying seems to be a really big problem in the schools. And yet, you know, there's martial arts, you know, and I'm a martial artist myself, and I I find that it teaches you um, self-discipline but also teaches you how to, you know, defend yourself if you need to without it being, you know, overcoming an issue. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense, and I thought you know it was just wonderful, and I just wanted to call and say congratulations, and that I hope the movie does really well. Yeah, very oh, cool. Yeah, thanks for calling in. What what art do you do, Anita? Oh uh, well, I I actually do. Um, I am an actress as well, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as the um, martial arts, I study aikido and I also study eskrima. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and you're right. Basically the... At the, oh, go ahead. Say, Sorry. Um, for people out there who don't know what screamers are, they're um, Filipino stick fighting. Mm-hmm. Basically. Very cool. And I'm sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, I was going to say that, you, that you're absolutely right, that the, the message of uh, the, the anti-bullying message of the movie um, is, is very good. It's, it's needed, and it's been a while since we've mm-hmm. had a movie come out, you know, with that message. I mean, I think the last one was the original Karate Kid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, there was there was the second Karate Kid, but, you know, that, you know, I kind of look at that as kind of like a um, continuation, in a sense, of the original one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, since then, it, I, I don't know very many other movies that, that have addressed the issue head on, like the martial arts kid. Sifu Bob, do you know of any other movies other than The Karate Kid? Because that's the only one I can think of. You know, there has been a few, but I don't think there's been one that has had the impact that The Karate Kid had. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Martial arts may may raise the bar a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Very cool. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, what I what I like about it is that the um, it kind of gives a realistic solution to a really realistic problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so right I on. I hope that you know people see it and they say, "Wow, you know, I could help my kid with his bullying issue because you know that seems to be a really big epidemic here in in um, the United <clears throat> States." You know, I see it on TV all the time. I see people talking about it. I even have friends who have kids in school that are going through that issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it'll be yeah. good. You know, I wish everybody the best of luck. <laughs> right on. Very cool. I, I can't wait to see it. Um, I know uh, Sifu Bob's seen it. He went to the premiere. Um, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> looking forward to it. I'm really excited about this because because of the fact that it's been, like, almost, like, 30 years. It has been 30 years since... Uh, you know, uh, a movie like, you know, The Karate Kid and now The Martial Arts Kid um, has come out. And uh, I think it's about time. And, uh, you know, kudos to, to James Wilson and Don and everyone that 
uh, were involved in in the project and in the filming and stuff like that. I just so can't wait. Does anyone know when it's actually going to be released? I heard this summer, but does anyone have a have like a time frame? Does anyone know? Anita, do you know? <laughs> um, no, I don't. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, they're working with the different distributors now to see what you know what will be the best formatting uh, for the theaters and so on. So I, I think probably the best person, James Wilson, is sort of handling that. But I do know there are a lot of interested parties in terms of international distribution. Uh, so um, I would imagine sometime this year I don't have the exact month. Very cool. Very awesome. cool. Very cool. Well, I am looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, me well, too. We, now, yeah, I know, right? Um, well, now, we now getting, Doc is, is set. Well, I got. I just got one more question, Russ. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Doc. Uh, it says you're you're a Chinese weapons expert. What are your favorite weapons? Uh, well, uh, everyone likes chucks. You know, nunchucks are great. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would say chucks are probably three-sectional. I, I prefer I prefer just the standard ones more than the three-sectional. I, I, I used to carry those when I take the train into the bad parts of town. So uh, you know, <laughs> I would say that's my favorite. I, I say that's my favorite. That's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> it used to be mine until I knocked myself in the head. <laughs> well, you know, we used to train with ones that are the real out of the really hard wood instead of the rubberized. Yeah. Cuts on cuts on your obliques and on your hips because you'd be, you know, if you hit it wrong because the edges were kind of sharp and mm-hmm. it was hard, hard teak. So if you hit yourself wrong, it hurt. Yeah, it did. yeah, it did. I had a pair of oak ones, and uh, there, there's some like old video somewhere of me and my business partner trying to trying to learn how to to use these back in like the 80s. And here we are, and we're and then you hear clunk. And she hits herself in the head. And then I try it. I start laughing. And then I try it. And clunk, I hit myself in the head. And then the next part of the video is us with a football helmet <laughs> trying, to, trying to use them. And then, of course, we don't hit ourselves in the head. We hit ourselves in the shin, the knees. Uh, my business partner, like, uh, mashed herself in the elbow and bleeding all over the floor. And we were like, oh, okay. And then uh, when I finally started the learning wushu, my, uh, my wushu teacher said, no rubber. If you're afraid of the weapon, it will bite you. You use real Santiguan. I was like, "Oh God, here we go again!" Knock myself in the head. It's a. It, it is one of my favorite weapons. Um, um, so yeah, it's a. That's a. That's a. That's a good favorite weapon, Doctor Bob. Right on. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we are heading into the uh, toward the end of our broadcast time. So, with that said. Um, Dr. Bob, if people actually want to get a hold of you, if they have any questions um, about your field or even your fitness, is there a way that people can contact you? Well, they could just go. We have a, a nice educational website that's free. It's called worldhealth.net, and they can, and there's hundreds of thousands of articles and pages of information. Uh, they can just go on worldhealth.net and get a whole bunch of good health information for themselves. Awesome. Thank you. I'll go ahead and post that link up on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. Thank you so much for taking the time out of schedule to be on the Dynamic Dojo today. Thanks, guys. You have a good day. Uh, You're awesome, stuff. Bob. Hey, nice, talk, nice talking to you. you nice too, talking sir. to you, too. We're at Dragon Fest. All right. Oh, see you there. Yes, Dragon Fest. See you there. Bye-bye now. And listeners... Bye-bye. 
tune in next week. Well, that is if we have a show. There's a possibility I might not be able to make it, and possibility we won't have a show. Um, but uh, tune in on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page for more information about the work of Dr. Robert Goldman and also uh, future future shows. So if we don't have a show on the 28th, uh, hopefully we'll have a show on July 5th. Wow, the day right after July 4th. That, that ought to People should still be around, don't you think, Bob? <laughs> I'm not going to be so. traveling. I think no so. one, yeah, I don't know if anyone really travels for July 4th. Everyone just kind of sticks around and does fireworks. Well, anyway, right. we'll talk to everyone the next time we're on the air. So have a great rest of the weekend, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.